0: At all. Look at all that paper in front of you, cat. I know it's lethal. <laughs> well, there's, there's nothing worse than a paper cut. Mm. They're horrible. I can think. I can think of worse things. But yes. And what we got coming up today? Well, was, Sj asked me earlier, and I said sulfites, and she went, "Oh,
1: what? like that sounds exciting." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we can talk about yeah, sulfur dioxide and sulfites in wine because it is a an big issue part of for it. a lot. Yeah, people talk about it a lot, and we've referred to it probably quite a few times in the. Recent weeks. Yeah, so let's look into that. We should look into it, really.
0: A bit later on, we're going to be talking about one of my little favourites. A little cheeky little number. Oh, stop it. You kiss your mother with that mouth. It's Riesling.
1: It is Riesling, yeah.
0: Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Are we tasting? Sorry. Oh, maybe, maybe after... Yeah. But, um, the, well, we will be tasting because <laughs> I have brought in a little surprise to challenge Kath as well. Coming oh, up, Oh,
1: he's going to, for the hard challenges now.
0: Towards the end of the show, you do want to stick around for this because I am challenging Kath and I've been so sneaky. I'm going to catch her out. Let's see you if will, I do it. You
1: will be sneaky because yeah. you nearly always do catch me
0: out. Oh, fantastic. Let's
1: kick it off. Should we dive in? We shall dive in. Dive
0: in. in. To River Radio.
1: Ah, that was the River Radio dive in. So we're doing another dive in. It's always hard when things have the same description. I know. (laughs) Well,
0: you know, we like to test our presenters. So we're diving in. We're going to go diving straight into sulfates.
1: We are diving straight into sulfates because people talk about them a lot. Yeah. They often talk about how they give them nasty headaches and things of that nature. Is that true? I, well, we talk about well, we need to talk about it in more detail. But histamine. When we talked about the gadgets and the one that Gemma noted that's like a stirry thing. Yeah. Um, technical description there. Thing. Stirry thing. thing. And she the wiggles her are good finger too. in the air. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but those sort of wands and things purport to remove things like histamine, which can be a problem for people. We'll talk about histamine a bit more. That's what actually is usually causing things like red wine headaches.
0: Okay, histamine. Histamine. Yes. So that that you get that when you get hay fever, don't you? It's, yes. a, it's a reaction from the body we against produce it, something. We our mast
1: cells produce histamine to help re- remove an allergy that's from your body. That's right, so, yes. I remember yeah. you
0: saying that's why sometimes with, a, with a certain red wines, I used to get very snotty, yeah, for want of a better word. Exactly. But it's yeah. your
1: body working well, Brian. That's, oh, that's a good, good sign. So take, 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 take solace from that.
0: Okay, I have now, I now <laughs> have solace.
1: Yeah. But, um, so often it's things, there's other amines as well that come into the mix in that sort of spectrum. Some people are sulfite sensitive, genuinely, um, but it's probably more often or not headaches are caused by things like histamine. But sulphur is an additive. It has to be labelled on labels as contains sulfites. And you see that quite often on other foods as well, but particularly on wine bottles now. So does
0: it have a large amount of, of sulphates? Sulfate? Well, this is what we're going to get into, you see. Yeah, OK. Yeah. So, it's, uh, so what is it? Is sul- sulfur is... Is actually it, so it's a mineral, or is it a --: I guess, yeah, strictly speaking, it's a chemical
1: and a mineral, but it's actually a natural byproduct of fermentation. Okay. So all wines will likely contain some sulfur, mm-hmm. or sulfite, if it's found in the wine, because it's a natural byproduct, it's unavoidable. Um, but those are usually quite low. So those will be about nine or eight or nine milligrams per liter to 10 milligrams per liter. So very li- very little. So, but sulfur is an additive, it's an antioxidant, it's antimicrobial, and it's been used in wine production for a long, long time. So, for for those reasons,
0: to stop the wine being polluted with. It
1: acts like a disinfectant, so it would help Ah. cure the issues with bugs and things that could live in the wine and breed and make it cloudy or re ferment, obviously, yeast, which can make things re ferment. Right. It's not desirable. So, that was part of the reason why sulfur used to be used. And I think once upon a time, it helped probably cover up other issues with the wine because it stopped things happening that could happen if they if the sulfur wasn't in there so what we've seen in recent years is the sulfur levels naturally have dropped and the permitted levels have become much much lower because winemaking is much cleaner Mm -hmm. so there's maximum levels that are imposed but i think there's references to people like pliny talk about mentioning sulfur use who Pliny. pliny pliny the elder Who's Pliny the Elder? Yeah, someone significant in Greek and Cato, really? Like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, yeah. Like, Has everybody heard of Pliny? I've never heard like, of the bloke. A Bit like Homer, those kind of guys. They all hung what, out with the Simpsons. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hung out with Pliny. <laughs> that would be a conversation I would like <laughs> to watch. Um, but just for usefulness for people, if you see within Europe things like E220 on the label, that's sulphur. Okay. So if you see that on a label, it contains it because it doesn't always say the words. Which is useful maybe for some people. And if it's just 220 elsewhere outside of Europe, that's the same thing, obviously. That's its sort of number that it's given as a food additive.
0: So I'm guessing that it has uh, little or no taste or odour.
1: Well, you'll often feel like it's an acrid sensation, a bit similar to... You know when someone lights a charcoal fire or or, or proper coal fire? Oh, yeah. And there's that... You sometimes get that acrid smoke that catches in the back of your throat or your nose. It will create a similar sensation to that but without, obviously, those obvious smells. But sulphurous smells that we know, things like, obviously, boiled cabbage is a sulphurous smell because they contain sulforaphane, those sort of aromas you used to get more commonly in wines when lots and lots of sulphur used to be used. OK. So it, it can have an odour, but very often you just pick it up as sort of an acrid kind of sensation in the back of your nose or back of your throat. OK.
0: And, sorry, 100 million questions, as That's always. That's right. um, an organic wine, then, would have it or wouldn't have it? We'll get on to that, but yes, oh. they have different limits. Ah, OK.
1: And that's fairly recent legislation that, that means that they have different limits. Yeah. So, in essence, if, if you suffer from asthma, yeah. then there's a likelihood that you would potentially be more affected by sulphur. But my husband suffers from asthma, and it's purely anecdotal. Never seen him bothered ever. Not with the wine. <laughs> and he seems to have to consume just about anything. Because even beer can all have sulphur and things in it. So, ah. you know... It, he never seems to have a problem but i guess it depends on the person and if you do have a sensitivity i think you just have to avoid it but you'd usually know because we'll get onto this in a little bit actually the things that sulfur's in so in essence as we said before sulfur is perfectly used purposely used by winemakers to help protect the wine and it can be used at different stages in the winemaking process from picking the grapes when things like potassium metabite sulfate are put in the powder on the grapes to prevent oxidation when they're harvested if they're split okay um which is why hand harvesting often is regarded as superior because if you're putting them carefully into boxes and they're not being squashed or being broken prior to reaching the winery then they're less likely to oxidize therefore there's less less need to use a sulfur product sure um but I suppose in the beginning of the 20th century, people would happily whack in up to 500 milligrams per litre of sulphur. And into sort of the 70s, 60s and 70s, winemaking hygiene and the technology that we were using started to improve drastically. And so those levels started to come down. But the main reason was to prevent refermentation And there was probably more of a trend for slightly sweeter styles of wine back then than there is now. So what happened is, in the 90s, the EU created maximum limits for total sulphur. And they said 250 milligrams per litre. But those were further brought down. And so nowadays, in red wines, it's 150 milligrams per litre is the maximum that can be used. That that
0: seems quite a lot.
1: Um, Yep. 200 for whites and rosés. Yeah. Um, 235 for sparkling wines and 250 for, um, for sweeter styles of wines. And then if they're very, very sweet, they can obviously have more because it prevents re-fermentation.
0: But you, but you said that generally there's between eight...
1: That's natural. That's what Oh, occurs naturally. naturally. Oh, yes. I see. And so then it's why make a choice. Now, these are maximums that are put in place, and they're lower for... Um, for organic wines, so it comes down to 100 grams per liter, milligrams per litre for reds, 150 milligrams per litre for whites and rosés. So they're naturally lower and it's part of organic production, you adhere to that. But most winemakers, if they're making their wines well, they don't necessarily add anything close to the upper limits. No. Because the wines cleaner doesn't require it.
0: Are there any alternatives to sulphur, or is it just that you can use to disinfect, for want of a better word, the... Um, the well, there's
1: people who don't use it, who don't put added sulphur in, and that falls under the moniker, really, these days, of what's called the natural wine movement, Um and we'll, we'll look at that one week because <laughs> I keep saying I avoid that one because it's quite a contentious topic for a lot of people. Is it? Um, but there is, if people want to know, so if people want to know how much sulfur they're drinking, there is actually a really useful resource. There's a fellow master of wine called Isabelle Legeron mm-hmm. and she runs an annual, or she was running an annual wine fair that was in the UK, in London, um, in New York and various other places as well. I mean, it was a proper big wine fair and it was called Raw Wine. And the idea was everyone there was presenting wines that fell more or less under this, this natural wine umbrella to promote it. But she put in a limit for the sulphur levels the wines can have. So she said up to 70 milligrams per litre, regardless. So by putting that in place, she controls it all. And on her website, which is Raw Wine every wine that's been shown is listed and it tells you the sulphur level for that wine in that vintage.
0: Okay, So why is that contentious? It seems like it's a good thing to be able to produce good wine with less additives.
1: So you might have noticed that um, some of the wines had different upper levels. So we have less sulphur maximums for a red wine than we do for a white wine and a rosé. And they're the obvious ones to look at. And there's reason for that. And so... If you have a red wine, you have some antioxidant properties present in your wine. So you've got things like anthocyanins and polyphenols, so the colouring compounds and the tannins have antioxidant properties. So in theory, a red wine then requires less sulphur dioxide to be added to it at any point in or after the winemaking process. A white wine, in theory, doesn't have those, or very rarely, and certainly won't have as many, because it's obviously a white wine, it's not fermented on its skins. And a sweet wine obviously has sugar present so it requires potentially more sulphur to prevent any rogue yeast causing it to referment and giving you a fizzy wine so you're getting a wine that's a completely different style to what you were expecting mm-hmm. so if you're making a natural wine and you're using less sulphur or no sulfur is being added you need to either make sure that your winemaking process is incredibly clean because it's not just refermentation that it prevents any bacterial spoilage or protein, you know, particularly bacterial issues are held at bay and prevented because it's acting like it's not just an antioxidant, it's got the microbial, antimicrobial properties as well. So, in essence, you need to have more. So, if you want to make a white wine, for example, with no sulfur, very often they're skin contact wines. And stylistically, they are completely different to a white wine that you probably be familiar with
0: right okay but it sounds it sounds to me like it's it's a good thing if they have to work harder and they have to have stricter or or more skillful winemaking to 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 do it without sulfur then that's that's a wine i want isn't it
1: well in theory yes from my experiences working as a wine buyer for many years those that had to travel longer distances particularly across an equator Uh. often didn't fit even in in alleged temperature controlled vessels um containers
0: perhaps not everybody has mastered the. well
1: and also they're they're more they're they're they're, you know they're not as protected and and the thing is if someone's using it in sensible volumes and they're not getting carried away and just piling in loads of stuff to hide errors and mistakes then surely it's not necessarily a bad thing to use it if the wine you get is the style that you actually want it to be when you get to drink it yeah sure so I think it's, it's about again it's one of those things I, f- I feel very much about finding balance and again smaller producers on the whole will not needlessly be adding something to a product
0: so what would you say is the in your mm. opinion and that's all it is I know um, is a good level of sulphate then? What, if I was a bit concerned about that maybe I do have asthma and yeah. it's uh, what 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 would be um, your opinion should I be looking for on those levels
1: I think there's lots of really good wines that do sit at the limit that Isabel put in place. There's some really good wines, and below it, there are some people that naturally just don't need to. I would say probably veer towards reds, because they're more likely to be lower in in sulphur. And I will probably... But it's hard to say, because you often don't know. I mean, I, I regularly ask producers for what we call fish technique, so... The wine making and the, the background, the viticulture for the grapes. And it's funny, you get so much detail on oak usage, percentage of third fill barrels. You get information on your acidity, and they break it down between tartaric and everything else, you know, the malolactic, everything, soil types, all detail. And it's really hard sometimes you have to say, well, What's the sulfur? Because they all know what the sulfur is. Yeah. Because it has become almost contentious in, in a way it, it doesn't necessarily need to be contentious. Um, you asked before about alternatives. Yeah. Weirdly, um, they're looking, there are experiments being run with glutathione. There we go, another technical word. So glutathione is a tripeptide and it's an amino acid. We, we create it in our bodies. We create it in our liver. It's our master detoxifier in the human body. Really? And it's a tripeptide made up of three different, um, I think it's oh, glycine, cysteine and one other amino acid. Oh, yeah, I think
0: you're going a bit too far into it now. Yeah, acid, but basically
1: honest. it's a, it, 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 but plants also create it as an antioxidant. So they're looking at maybe whether that could be used. Um, instead of sulfur but the big issue as well with sulfur is it's often used to clean barrels to make barrels and things hygienic um, because you don't want to be putting things that could oxidize like peroxide to clean a barrel Um steam people use and people who are really diligent they clean their barrels with steam as well but I think in the EU I think only sulfur and steam are possibly permitted for barrel cleaning so it is a complex topic and I can understand why it then becomes contentious, but I don't think it should ever be labelled as a villain because it does serve a purpose. And to put it into context, we could run through things that you come across every day that probably have more sulphur than a bottle of wine. So really anything in a plastic tub or anything covered with cellophane that you buy will probably be dosed with SO2. Oh. Yeah. So canned and frozen fruit and vegetables can be treated with SO2. And right. it won't necessarily be labelled. Um, all fruit and vegetable juices no yeah well if you think in a good example dried dried fruits so apricots raisins even coconut so you know when you get apricots that are brown and you get apricots that are bright orange yeah the difference is the brown ones which are usually organic have no sulfur so the packaging and the dosing of the sulfur to keep the other ones orange it's the use of sulfur dioxide
0: well well well
1: yeah so sort of jams jellies preserves they can have it as well
0: Goodness. I mean, the first thing you mentioned there was um, anything covered in plastic or cellophane.
1: Yeah, so often, like, even bags of salad. Everything, then? Any pre-packed fruit, yeah. Pretty much everything. Yes, if you think, if you you chop an apple up, how quickly does it go brown?
0: It goes brown pretty quick.
1: Yeah, exactly, and you often have to squeeze lemon juice on or something to prevent it, because... Or just eat it quickly. Or just eat it quickly, yeah, but if you're preparing it in advance. And yet you can buy pre-prepared fruit...
0: That's chopped and, and, it, and yeah. it's not gone brown. Oh god, yeah. I should have I should have known.
1: Yeah, so that's the thing. So there's often more sulfur or sulfites possibly present in those things than there is in a bottle of wine.
0: And would you know sort of the levels compared to a bottle of wine? So if I we say well, an average bottle of wine might be, I'm just guessing, Let's but a hundred. Yeah, I don't know. It's because um, they don't put it on the
1: packaging, do they? No, they,
0: they don't. Ooh, no. They're naughty little. So food useful producers. things
1: as well. So the, the E numbers we said is E two twenty if you want to look out for it. Yeah. Um but things like sodium sulfite. Sodium bisulfite, sodium metabisulfite, potassium bisulfite, potassium metabisulfite, and sulfur dioxide are all terminology that could be used. That basically result in the same thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've got leftover from um, Sam and SJ's show here yeah. a bag of well monster size hoops, hula hoops. <laughs> yeah, they're probably covered in the stuff.
1: I don't know if they would be. Would they be? Because do they need to preserve them know. like that? Because they're sort of... I think they've probably got to sell. What's the use-by date on them? Because usually it's things with... Mind you, I suppose pickles and relishes and ketchups can have them and...
0: Hold on. Uh, I'm rustling now because I'm looking at the ingredients. Just out of yeah, interest. Beer
1: and cider as well.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: So what, what can we have that's totally sort of naturally produced without any of this additive business going on? You have to grow it yourself, don't you?
1: Yeah, basically. <laughs> she said helpfully. Yeah. Yeah, basically. So, so there you
0: go. That, that's why then we are looking at um, yeah. the, the Bryski and Cath winery in my garden. Yeah. Ice wine, still on the table, but, you know.
1: So I don't think it's a bad thing and I don't think it should be demonised. There's worse things out there that we come across on a daily basis that could probably do us more harm. Sure. Than a little bit of sulphur. And also, some people claim it's good. So if you think about it, people encourage people to eat leafy greens and things that are that contain sulphur compounds as well. So, you know, I yeah. don't know. I think too much of anything that's added to something isn't good. But if it's kept minimal and it's controlled, then I,
0: I think it's OK. So, OK, I've got a couple of questions then before go we go to our first track and um, head towards menu matching, which is recently. Oh, stick around for that. Um, first question is, um, do you think then that this business of the high sulphates is headache, hangover... Because I'll be honest, sometimes mm. there has been certain bottles and I, can, I know a, a certain type of white wine yeah. that I just keep, it is a Sauvignon Blanc as well, um, and I keep away from it because it I know that's going to give me a headache.
1: It could be a combination of that and it could be higher in histamine because the way it's been produced, but also it could be to do with alcohol level because if you drink too much of something that doesn't agree with you necessarily and it's got ethanol in it, it forms a low level forms of inflammation in your body, which uh-huh. is why we feel crappy after we drink stuff like that.
0: Right, okay. Yeah. Um, Deplete and
1: your glutathione, ironically.
0: Oh, oh. Yeah. Maybe we should have glutathione with those you tablets. You can
1: get it, and yes, if you get glutathione as a supplement and you mix it with water, it often smells sulfurous, which I think is ironic. ironic. Yeah. So it must have some sort of, it must, there must be a link between those sulfurous compounds, but I'm afraid my...
0: Chemistry. My, yeah, is. and
1: my yeah, molecular biology isn't quite good enough.
0: <laughs> okay. So, this, this one is going back to something you said earlier on, Co- totally off the, the subject, really, I think, mm. of um, sulfurs. But you mentioned um, three quarter barrels, three quarter full barrels. What's that about? Um, what no, do they do um, they
1: aged, yeah. So, um, uh, different aging barrels. So, when you buy a new barrel yeah. and it's new oak, it's just it's first fill and it's new oak and it hasn't been used before. And, but if you reuse that barrel the next year, they'll call it second fill. Oh. and then oh, so third, third fill. fill. Fourth fill, fifth fill, sixth fill, yeah. Oh, okay. So they'll often break all that down for you in a, in a fish tank. How
0: many fills do you get out of a barrel? As many
1: as you like. I mean, there's some big old massive casks in places that have been going for ever. Smaller barriques usually have a lifespan. People don't use them beyond, partly for hygiene reasons, because it gets harder and harder to keep them clean. But some, go on a long time. Long, long
0: time. Well, well, well. Yeah, there depends we go. on what
1: you're trying to do. In the third side barrel, of wine, fourth barrel.
0: Man. There you go. Yeah. So if you really want to impress somebody at a dinner party when they pour you a glass of wine, I'd just say go, this is
1: fifty percent new oak, fifty percent second fill.
0: Yes. Oh, <laughs> now we're getting the terminology which will really blow people's yeah. minds. Yeah, this is definitely a third fill. What? Yeah.
1: Just just a hint of oak. Yes. Just adding a little bit of a condiment, a bit of complexity. No,
0: <laughs> sound like we know what we are talking about using yeah. that sort of language. Fantastic. Right, so what's the first song of today's show? It's very tenuous. Blinding yeah. Lights. I like it. I like it too. Yeah. Let's do it. Don't go anywhere because we're talking about Riesling, and Riesling is a good reason to, <laughs> Be to stick around. <laughs>
3: We'll
2: Vary. River
1: Radio.
3: I think I like it. Uh, you give one quick twitch, and the thing is done.
0: Oh, well, there you go. That one always <laughs> <laughs> always tickles me fancy. Exactly. There exactly. we go. Lovely. Yeah. So um, we are um, menu matching, aren't we? No, we're not. We're um, no, going we off the beaten track. We're,
1: we're, we're not allowed to tempt ourselves. Although I have to say, having these. Hula hoops in front of us today. They're literally you turn them around us. So they're facing me. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. When I first walked in, I thought the smell was something completely different. It wasn't pleasant. No, I wondered what it was when I walked yeah. in, and then I like, yeah.
1: pointed out what it was. And I was okay. okay, yeah. We didn't, they didn't say that, but I put two and two together. Yes, as well. yes, yeah,
0: yes. Well, I was marinating
1: a bit more. in our roast. What, what flavor is it? Roast beef. yeah <laughs> Hula hoops. <laughs> you directed That's them. That's not me. right. Is it, that's what
0: they are, aren't they? Yeah, it is, it is. But it's not right that we've got them. So um
1: let's um let's go off the beaten track. We are going off the beaten track.
0: So imagine walking down a little cobbled I love street. This little, tune. little cobbled street, street in yeah. in Alsac.
1: Alsace.
0: Alsace is even. Oh,
1: Alsace is so beautiful. Yeah. Really pretty, yeah. Oh,
0: we're there now. There's a coolness in the air. Yeah. yeah. But still yeah. the sun's out.
1: Yeah. Vineyards beautiful sort of slightly Germanic houses on cobbled streets leading down to slopes with vineyards on in the Vosges Mountains.
0: Oh, a Frenchman hills. rides past on a bicycle. Bonjour!
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're nailing the stereotypes today. <laughs> We're nailing them, Brian.
0: <laughs> and a German with Lederhosen. Is dancing. In the distance in the Rhine. <laughs> okay, so now we've done all those stereotypes. Yeah. Um, we are actually talking about Riesling. We're and, talking and about Riesling, Do you know yeah. what? I don't know why I'm so excited about this, but it is, it is one of those wines that I do... My ears pick up, or, or yeah. I just get a little bit... When somebody goes, offers me a Riesling, I like, ooh, even even above a Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, do you know what? I, saw, I had a, yeah. an Albarino the other day. Ooh. I didn't know
1: that you were also a Riesling fan. Yeah. But sorry, you hadn't, I'm just digressing, because I was just so pleased to hear that. But what was your Albarino?
0: uh what was it oh i couldn't tell you it was just a embrino it was nice, nice.
1: <laughs> it was nice but you enjoyed it that's the most important thing yeah. with all wine is that you actually enjoy it
0: yeah so i didn't have very much had less not more
1: Less, not more exactly yeah. we well go. that's the other thing with sulfites just 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 to circle back quickly it's my advice is yeah drink less <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you probably won't be affected as badly well that's right yeah. yeah and drink better because i think probably things that are produced on a larger scale mm-hmm yeah Yep, yep, yep. I do. I don't think there's any large-scale production of natural wines, so I suppose that you know, yeah, they say the opposite ends of a spectrum. Do
0: you know what? I I came up with my own. Although I uh, could be
1: wrong. If I'm wrong, someone tell me.
0: My, well, yeah, but I came up with my own sort. I don't know if it's an analogy or a little thing saying that. Um, if, if you have like a small boutique winemaker, it's like going to, uh, you know, a really small little French restaurant. It could be a Michelin star. It could be lovely. Yeah. Or if you go for a, you know, a big, uh, the one with the creek. I think Jacob had something to do with it. Yes. Um, and various wines along that. It's kind of like you're going to McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing wrong with that. If you enjoy that once in a while, go for it, fill go your boots. It. But yeah. it's not, you know, for the connoisseur.
1: But also, I think you get a story. So you don't even have to be a connoisseur, I don't think. If you, no. you know, you real people, yeah, you know, yeah, they're really vested in what they do. They love what they do. They want to communicate about it to you and make something that will bring you joy. And I think that's always quite
0: nice. It is. Go to the yeah. cellar door, like we were talking about last yeah. uh, last week. Yeah, the cellar doors. Yes. Oh, exactly. So okay, anyway. so we are um, in slightly cooler regions because we're yes. we're white, yes. and Germany and springs, springs yeah. to mind. Yeah. Um, so um, so what what do we need to know about a Riesling, then?
1: Well, I suppose your headlines. It's an aromatic white grape variety. Yeah? Yeah, that's quite a simple one. They believe that it originated around the Rhine, um, or at least near the Mosel in Germany, because that's where most of it's actually produced, even in Germany. Um, but also you'll find it in lots of other places. It has a bit of a murky history. Oh, does it? Yeah, because oh, it's not entirely me. clear. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're just trying to get to the bottom, you're like, really? But um, the first mentions of it, the first recorded mentions date back to the 1400s, so 1435. Um, They were mentioned that some Riesling vines were sold to a German count. I couldn't find out who sold them to the German count. But, yeah, so that's sort of when it was first noticed that they were made, and they became very important then. So they were then recommended to be the the Archbishop of Trier, which is not far from the Mosul. Um, He wanted all green grapes that were planted to be Riesling. He decreed that in sort of the 1780s.
0: Crikey, he, he liked it then.
1: Yeah. So obviously to just improve wine quality, he obviously wanted to ensure that any, anyone gave him something to drink, he'd want to drink it. Yeah. That's, wow. I suppose maybe that's throwing your weight around in a way that's... Good plan. Exactly. <laughs> a good plan. <laughs> but um, in the 1850s... Fun fact: It was more sought after than things like Champagne and Bordeaux and Burgundy. Oh wow. To the extent that it was the most Riesling, particularly the sweet Riesling styles, were the most because they were really the only styles made then. Most sought after wines in the world and served at all the royal tables.
0: Is that right? Yeah. So that was the 1850s, and yeah. so how's I mean, it how's it sort of bared up over the years? Then is it still badly? <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's a real underdog. now. It seems to be off the well, off the beaten track.
1: Yeah. It, well, exactly. Look at you. See what I did there. Quite impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, basically, yeah, it's become very unpopular. There was a, it's like all these things, there's an enormous rise in popularity of something often and then it tails off. So, particularly things like Liebfrau Milch, so, and Hock, Black Tower, Blue Nun, those yeah, sort of things. Blue, which aren't usually Blue, Riesling, they're usually made with Mutter but they sort of, what people started to associate with German wine and obviously Riesling, and it sort of tarred with the same brush. And as the popularity waned and other things came in, it, it fell off a cliff. But Where, in terms of quality and price, some of the best wines. Yeah. Oh, my God, they're delicious. Whatever
0: happened to Blue Nun? Still going. Is it?
1: I think even fairly recently, it was probably still in the top 20 brands sold in the UK. So oh. I have a theory that there's lots of closet Blue Nun and Lieb fans. <laughs> so they've got their friends around for dinner. You know, they're cracking open their swanky champagne. They drink some really nice Bordeaux. They've taken the time to decant it. And they yeah. finally get everyone out the door. They're like, quick, get a Black Tower okay, and Blue yeah. Nun out.
0: Why not, eh? Yeah. Good Although ones, one you enjoy. Did,
1: we had a staff tasting sort of party thing and everyone had to bring bottles and one of my colleagues at the time, we all tasted everything blind, brought a wine that actually wasn't that bad. All of us were like, it's pretty old, but it's all right. Mm. It turned out to be Old Blue Nun from the well, 90s. Was it really? Yeah.
0: Goodness. Okay. So, so what, what can we expect then with our Riesling then on the nose? What are we looking so at? So
1: on the nose, usually common characteristics are citrus, stone fruit, white flowers, and, you ready for this, mm-hmm. petrol or kerosene
0: yeah I've heard I heard mm, that before petrol kerosene doesn't sort of spring to mind as something you'd want to be drinking but um, exactly. especially combination, it, it
1: sometimes puts people off especially it's usually when it's older um, for German Rieslings and things grown in cooler climates that kerosene petroly character starts to come with evolution and age or it seems to appear slightly earlier in wines that come from the new world and there's a suggestion that it could be to do with the ripening of the, the terpenes and the monoterpenes in the grape skins And so increased sunlight hours pushes up the propensity for those aromatic compounds to make their way into the wine, basically, to be developed.
0: Okay, so just before we go on, you're throwing words around like terpenes and something else, terpenes, like that's just normal for people to...
1: So something, they're different flavouring compounds, basically in aroma compounds or aroma compounds that we perceive. Right. So things like pyrazines, which you get in Sauvignon Blanc, create that sort of gooseberry grassy Gooseberry grass grassy asparagus character oh, okay. and bell pepper character. And so yeah, terpenes and things and they're all this little compounds.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but actually, um, although that doesn't sound particularly attractive, it's, it's, it's combined yeah. with those other things it's, in a fresh delicious. sort of yes. light so way. You would
1: expect that high acidity as well with Riesling. Riesling's a high acidity grape variety. Yeah. And it ripens late so that you, you can go through a growing season that maybe doesn't always perform the way you want it to. But it does benefit from having some sunlight to push its ripeness on. Yeah, um, yeah and it, it makes these really fresh, juicy wines really juicy because they have this lovely tangy acidity
0: okay so um on on the palate then so we, we're we getting the same sort of things we're getting yeah. the light um citrusy yeah, so again some flowery yeah exactly things.
1: florals citruses depends where you are as well as to what you get so particularly i think for me one of the markers for things like clare valley riesling from australia was oh, an yeah. amazing lime juice character like really there's a sense of purity and clarity to the wines i
0: uh, do you know what? I'm, I'm pretty sure i've been to the clare valley is that near barossa
1: yes You go a bit further north.
0: They have the Adelaide Hills, which has a a real German influence Yeah, Yeah. and then you go up into the Clare. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. oh, lovely.
1: Yeah, and they make amazing, amazing Rieslings. But you also get Riesling made in places like um, Oregon and Washington State make amazing Riesling in America, but also some brilliant ones in California, even. Really? There's the Wurz Riesling, which is made by the Bedrock Wine Company, which... Might have been in one of my subscription packs this month. Might have packed a few of those bottles today. Oh, uh-huh, hello. Just drop Absolutely that in. delicious. And the yeah. guy who owns the vineyard has the most crazy handlebar moustache.
0: Okay. Fun fact. Bear that in mind. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but obviously New Zealand, Australia are particularly good. You'll even find it popping up in other places. But in the old world, as we like to call it, Germany is, is the heartland. But Austria and Alsace that you mentioned earlier also make fantastic Rieslings.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: stylistically... It's really This is why I think we all love it so much in the wine trade, is that it makes everything from wonderful, bone-dry, crisp wines right through to lusciously sweet wines and sparkling wines. So... Does it blend particularly well with anything, or is
0: it more of a stand-alone?
1: Usually you associate it as a single varietal, but we tasted one from Alsace recently, which was a blend of Pinot Gris, which often has lower acidity and a a bigger body and a fuller mouthfeel, and a Riesling, which obviously has a lighter body and higher acidity. And it was fantastic. It was the most wonderfully easy-drinking, beautifully flavoured wine. And it's, un- it's unusual to find, when you do find them, they use them in, they make these things called Edelsvicker in Germany, mm-hmm. sorry in Germany, in Alsace, which is a blend across a lot of their key grape varieties like Gewurz, Pinot Gris, um, Silvana, Riesling, and they'll have a blend in there sometimes. But yeah. very often it's a single varietal, most of the time it's single varietal and actually handily, usually put on the label, so you know it's a Riesling.
0: Do you know what I think? We need to add uh, this location, um, Alsace and mm. Germany, to our tour. The
1: gastronomic Ust- endurance test, Alsace—it's amazing.
0: Yeah. So, do you know like Top Gear, do or not Top Gear? What is it? <laughs> the uh, the Grand <laughs> Turismo or whatever? They they <laughs> do their tour of age yes. or something. Yeah. So Uncorked will do the tour, tour of pretty much anywhere we want to go, okay. where the best places. I'll hold you to that. All on expense to River Radio. Yeah, It's the heart of the Thames Valley. It is. There you go.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> just, it's getting more that. and more outlandish. It, it is. Really it?
0: is next, more next, and more outlandish. Next, we'll be uh, serving some sort of riesling on Virgin Galactic in space. Exactly. Come on, Sam, get you all out. Exactly. Off to space.
1: So yeah, so dry, sweet, sort of semi-sweet styles. So. Obviously, Germany is the place where you most readily see the different sugar levels and the slightly different sweetness levels for Riesling, but they, they pop up in other places too, and it makes the most fabulous dessert wines, and it works as both a late-harvest grape variety that's picked later. So that'll be works, much sweeter. Said, yes, it works for ice wine, as oh, we talked about before. Yes, 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 yes. and it'll also work being botryotised, so it benefits also from noble rot, and you still have a Riesling character. So that's the rot that hits the grapes, usually in the autumn. And if it's followed by warmer, drier conditions, it creates botrytis rather than grey rot. Mm-hmm. So it isn't just sort of destroying your whole vineyard of grapes. And it the, the, it looks quite unpleasant when you see it, but basically the mould extracts moisture so that the grapes concentrate, so you get concentrated sugar and acidity. Yeah, And that's what they make dessert wine so
0: if So what, what would you recommend? If, if I was looking, maybe maybe I'm mm-hmm. listening to this, maybe I'm listening to you now, and I've never tried a Riesling because, you know, I'm a Sauvignon yarn Blanc yep. sort of person. Um, have you got a couple that you think, oh, if you're going to try Riesling, go yeah, for that one? Yeah,
1: I think if you want to try dry styles, genuinely Austria and Germany are brilliant. Yeah. So if you head into Austria anywhere from the Kamptau, the Wachau or Vagram and elsewhere, but particularly those three regions make amazing, um, yeah, Krems, Kremstel, those wines. So people like Meyer. But even Vineyard Vacau, which is um, also Domain Vacau, all those places, there's loads of smaller growers as well, like Emmerich um, Knoll who make phenomenal, phenomenal Rieslings. But I'm listening
0: to this, I'm thinking. sat in Windsor uh, right now. Did you say? Let me I'm think. sat in Reading. I'm thinking I'm want to I'm try not a classic the... one, yeah. you can buy in the supermarket, Doctor Lusen. Doctor Lusen. Yeah,
1: German Riesling.
0: Now, if sales of that suddenly go soaring <laughs> across the Thames Valley, we should contact the old doctor. Because it's accessible and easy
1: to find, and it's really good quality. Yeah, yeah, really nice. What is it again, Doctor? Doctor Lucan. Doctor. Ernie Lucan. He's a character. Lucan.
0: Yeah. Doctor Lucan. Lovely. I'm going to be looking for that. Yeah. Can you get it? Like literally, can I go to Sainsbury's and get it, or you should Tesco, be able to, or yeah. Little?
1: Yeah. But I, I, it's, very, it's rare to be disappointed by a Riesling. I find. You have to know, if, if it's got something like Cabernet Spätlaser, or Auslaser on the label, or Trockenbeerenauslese, Auslaser, it's going to be sweet in style. But if it says just Trocken, and it's from Germany or Austria, then it will be dry, because
0: Trocken
2: means dry. Trocken is
0: dry. Okay, that, well that's a good one. Make a note of that. Trocken is dry. Yeah. So that, because I'd if, be if going for those ones. if you don't want to
1: have a style that's sweet, then look at Australia and New Zealand, because okay. it's, they'll, they'll reliably, they'll say if then, they'll say dry Riesling usually, but they're nearly always going to be. And also look at the alcohol. If the alcohol level is really 10 degrees or less, then it's likely to have some residual sugar. But if you've got slightly more alcohol, it's giving you an indicator that it's been fermented to dryness.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So that's the other thing you can look
0: at. we spoke about soils before and stuff. Does Riesling lend its hand or does it prefer a certain type of soil? Slate. Slate? Yeah. There you go. Blue slate, particularly if you're in the Mosul. How about
1: that? But there's some slates that are full of fossils. So the different sorts of slate will impact the flavour and some are sort of, you can see... Um, strata in them that's that's oxidized because there's iron present and they're quite ferric, um, but you can also get different colors of slate. But yeah, it seems to like blue slate a lot, oh, and yeah. it acts like a giant radiator,
0: which helps with the ripening because the it, the slate heats up in the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm, interesting. And mm-hmm. they and then this is something that I don't think I've tried that much is the sparkling riesling. Yeah,
1: sect. It's not hugely available over here. No, but. Yeah, certainly Germany, Austria and lots and lots of sect. And it can be made as a traditional method, but often it's made in the same way that Prosecco is made.
0: So I'd never really heard of, of sect before. It's S E K T. Yes. And that's S-E-K-T. that's basically a sparkling white wine. That yeah. it's called Prosecco or or or, it's there, Cava but, yeah, it's or whatever.
1: Sort of the Germanic region's name Sparkly for Sparkly sort of, stuff. Yeah. Lovely. I'm and a, it's not always made with Riesling, but often it is. Yeah.
0: Could is there um is there, is there a website we could go to and look for all these interesting sites of Wines, yeah. or, or would it be, you know, I don't know. Maybe we go to um, grape and something. Grape
1: and nectar. Well, yeah, we, grape and nectar. We're, we grape we nectar is wonderful. Obviously, I'm massively biased, yeah. but we more we would be doing more offers and subscriptions. But okay. if people want advice, yeah. And help finding wines. We're good at doing that as well. Because yeah. yeah, we yeah. do lots of consultancy
0: you, for people. Do you rate these these sort of things like Virgin Wines or Lethwaites or all these sort of places? Do you, do they <laughs> or are they just actually still there? You're getting your Jacobs Creek at a bit of a discount. You might as well just go to the supermarket. Because I kind of like going off and finding these little. Yeah,
1: I think I, I'm I'm all for supporting sort of small merchants. I think yeah. any small wine shop makes me excited and I want to go in and have an explore and see what they've got. Sure. And you can speak to people who love wine and they'll always have tasted something or have tasting samples that you can experience and taste and try before you buy and I love that. Yeah. But I also think anyone to a certain extent who makes wine accessible for people so they can find it and enjoy stuff, it's it can be good.
0: Yeah. That is the difference. It is, I mean, I am I know I'm biased towards this because I live in Cookham, but the, the, there's the, the butcher's wine yeah. cellar down there. Exactly. And, and Paul there is... Yeah, and I'd go in and, and I'd say, do you know what, Paul, I fancy something like exactly. this. At. And he goes, oh, do you know what? Have a, have a little taste of that, Brian, see what you think. Yeah. And it's nice because you get a little taste, and it's like, mm. I, he gave him a little taste of something the other day, and I was like, oh, goodness, no, I can't, oh, no, yuck. Exactly. Um, And I was thinking, oh, I'm glad I didn't spend £7 on a glass for that. Exactly. But actually... Yeah. Um, the vast majority of the time well every time I go in but I
1: do think yeah support your local we've got grape expectations just over the road here in Marlow and you'll see them everywhere now they're popping up so in a way the benefit of larger entities both supermarkets selling wine and larger mail order companies like Lathwaite's is that they they both serve a function but without those big things existing the other side of the coin doesn't appear which is the small merchants who specialise and they're all over the country And you can order online from lots of them as well and find just interesting, fun wines. And they've usually got information. But if they're local to you and you can physically walk in and they get to know you, they get to know what you like, when they get something in, it's it's that whole thing. It's like if you get to know your butcher or you get to know your greengrocer, You just all the things that they get something new in that they think you'll enjoy... You get the heads up That's right It's were we talking, a relationship
0: Yeah we were talking about um, Somewhere in Nettlebed uh, Just outside of Henley-on-Thames mm. Weren't we? The cheese place The cheese place Nettlebed the, cheese Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, Witheridge My favourite cheese I think at the moment Do you know what?
0: I think it's um, Simon Williams Is um, I mm. know Simon Who's in Upstairs, Downstairs He's on The Archers actually He's one of the main characters in The Archers I think it's cool. his niece Or his daughter Who runs yeah. that place
1: Amazing cheeses
0: Yeah because oh, there the
1: whole country, we've got a country full of amazing stuff that we're yeah. supporting. So why why would you go to the
0: massive, great, big if you places go when local. you can go to these artisan little and they passionate,
1: passionate people oh, as well. Yeah,
0: I know what I'm going to be doing as soon as the show's over. What going to a little artisan place somewhere, buy some food and drink. Yeah, sounds Cheese. perfect. Yeah. OK. <laughs> um, well, listen, we're still to come. We are going to look and investigate what goes well with Riesling we in our menu match. So if you're planning on trying a Riesling, then you want to stick around to find out some of that cuisine and food. And, and then also, I fear
1: the challenge, Cath is, is truly horrific. This it's in front of me now. This
0: is what we have been waiting for. This is one of the biggest challenge, caths that has ever taken place. Oh, God. And I am... Confident that I'm going to catch her out this week. We're going to find out. Don't Worry, not go you anywhere. I'm quite
2: confident you are <laughs> as well. That's all coming up <laughs>
0: right after this.
3: And I give up forever to touch you because I know that you feel me somehow. The truth in your lies When everything feels like the movies Yeah, you bleed just to know
0: Soundtrack to life in the Thames Valley. River Radio on the web. To the Batmobile, let's go on your mobile. Hello, and on Alexa too. River Radio. That's, That's it. it. Hmm. I pronounce that River Radio, but I'm always working on how I say things, and I might not have it right.
1: <laughs> both <laughs> 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 of us in a little world of
0: our own there oh it's finished oh, oh, oh we're, we're here for a reason aren't we we're supposed we're to be doing here, something we
1: are here for a reason well we have been
0: talking about riesling and now we are going to match it with something we we're are. going we're going to dive in we've done that we're going we're to menu match. match you're mixing it well you've got Come one on. bang
1: on and the others you've kind of yeah. well you're merging it
0: merging it you know <laughs> Listen to that, eh? Yeah, it That's, does sound that's that little bit of sect, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's sect today, exactly. That's exactly what it is today. Oh,
0: lovely. Oh, lovely. So, um, we've been talking about Riesling, or yeah. perhaps we might even mention a, a sparkling Ries- Riesling um, yeah. from the Germain area and north <laughs> of.
1: Germain area. They often have it on breakfast buffets. Really? Yeah, it's one of the first things I noticed when I was first travelling for work in Austria and Germany, and I'm thinking. Oh, well, wow, that's impressive. Early
0: start, exactly. Bit, bit too, uh, bit too professional for me. That I wouldn't, couldn't cope with that. No, 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 no.
1: But okay, Amaz- amazing breakfast though, like a real spread. Do you know what? Fantastic.
0: I've spent some time in Austria and mm. driving on the the motorways and through Germany mm. to get to Austria. Sometimes, what they do the motorway service stations. The food there is unbelievable. It's amazing compared to ours. Yeah, I know. When you go and there's a Burger King and a Wimpy, and happy to have a car a Greg's.
1: picnic. Very happy to have a car picnic over there. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, you go in there. There's a full buffet. They've got the lot. Yeah, amazing looking sort of breads and cheeses.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. I think that, I think we're missing. We're doing something wrong, and you know, come on, service stations throughout the up, UK, up your game, up your game, exactly. We want a buffet with some Riesling, <laughs> sparkling. Come on now. So, um, as always, um, we we first we're of all we look, at, we look at we look at the area these things come from. So, yep. German, traditionally Germany and bratwurst and sauerkraut. Well, there we go. Oh, what's the, what's
1: the next item? Right off we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, good, really good sauerkraut or choucroute as it's called, and it's in France and Alsace mm. is often cooked with Riesling. Is it
3: really? Yes.
1: Goodness. And it can be quite delicious, actually.
0: Yeah. No, I do like sauerkraut if if it is not too tangy.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it's quite tasty. Yes. So, obviously, that's the first choice. A good old schnitzel is another choice. Ah, schnitzel. Yeah. Yes. But, as we said, every style of wine is made. So, the world is once again your lobster,
0: Brian. It it really is, isn't it? I mean
1: stylistically they're usually lighter in body and fresher in style so you might not want something too big and heavy with them right but especially ones with just a hint of residual sweetness are brilliant with genuinely hot food and spicy food because the sugar balance is working the same way that palm sugar would in a Thai curry it helps balance out the heat and it works really nicely.
0: Because so yeah, one of the only sort of wines that... Well, I don't know if it's the only one It's one of the ones that I heard of um, a, a little while ago mm. was the Gewurztraminer yeah. was... Oh, that's what you have with, um, with either Chinese or spicy curry. food. Yeah, because it's Curries. spicy.
1: And it often feels... That, see, Gewurz is... Much lower in alcohol, um, much lower in acid than Riesling and often has higher alcohol levels. So but those two things together often make it feel like it's sweet, even if there's only a small amount of residual sh- sugar, because ah. it magnifies that sense. Right. Um, and it's naturally a really spicy grape variety. So you've got characteristics like ginger in it. There's one of the classic tasting notes of the Gewurz. We okay. should maybe do a deep dive into Gewurz. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. I just like saying
0: Gewurz.
1: Exactly. Gewurz, Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, you're going to get us into trouble. You really are. <laughs>
0: well, we played football oh, the other night. You know, know we a free all <laughs> Oh yes, We've got to make the most of it. No, we love. We love our friends over in Germany and Austria. I've got yeah. very, very deep, good friends in uh, in those places, and um, and they and you know what? We mock because we love. Exactly. That's what those closest do. to us. That's what I keep saying to Gemma. Aye,
1: you can see you. you yeah, the digging hunters, a hole hunters, again.
0: Big trouble, always. There you go. I get used to it. But yeah,
1: food-wise, so obviously your curries from Thai to Chinese and things, if you don't fancy Gewurz, which is more of a Marmite wine, I think, possibly for a lot of people. Yeah. It's quite extreme in character, particularly from Alsace sometimes. Mm -hmm. So some people just don't like it. They find it too hedonistic, too floral, sort of rose petals and lychees and things, whereas a Riesling can be a bit more subtle. So good sect, so sparkling. If it's dry, amazing with your seafood. Good with things like linguine, anything like that, it'll work nicely with. Great with vegetables as well, but also good aperitif. Mm. Dry styles of Riesling work more or less across the board as well. Yeah. You can try them with all sorts of things, But so from white meats. Slightly sweet Rieslings are really good with cheeses. In fact, it's one of the most diverse cheese wines you can find. It, of every week is cheese, isn't it? You know my obsession with cheese is nearly (laughs) as serious as my obsession with wine. (laughs) There's no hope. Well, quick question. I I probably possibly possibly even my obsession with gelato because that's my latest
0: obsession. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. I'll bear that in mind um j- just uh, you've probably answered this before but what's the ideal temperature for is all white wine no. got a more or less the same or or do you need to vary Different it and think about it yeah. oh come on then riesling where what are we looking at there cold oh God, cold I don't
1: think no i don't think it should be fridge temperature but maybe it can be a little bit colder. so if you think you bring it out the fridge it's probably about five degrees okay i would say between
0: six seven and 10 degrees so you might want to bring it out the fridge half an hour before you drink it yeah something like that yeah
1: and you probably can be very cold and work and if it's if it's a sweeter style that coldness will in a way temper the sweetness it won't feel as yeah um but it'll bring out more of the acidity potentially if it's a dry style so just sometimes a little bit of air and a little bit of warmth lets it all open up and you get the aromas because it is an aromatic variety you don't want them too dumbed down
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I, 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 it's the same every week with this mm. show. I sit here thinking, right, I, just, it's a, I don't know what's happening with the weather at the moment. I'm going to go home now, sit in the garden, yeah. on the patio and have a sect. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, with, with which crisps are you going to
0: go for, Brian? Well, I might just take some of these um, beef <laughs> monsters. I don't think it's going to go well with beef, is it?
1: I, I don't think that a, that a beef hula hoop is the match made in heaven on the crisp front. Yeah. But I do you think that... You, you could go for a nice, nice stir-fry this evening and have a glass of Riesling with it.
0: Could be, or I'm tempted by a Wiener schnitzel. Oh, schnitzels are great. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. So, um, do you know what? You're trying to put it off. I am. You're trying to string it out, um, but this is the moment that the whole of the Thames Valley has been waiting for because it is time now to challenge Catherine. Where questions need answers. One woman has all the answers to the questions that I have apart oh, from this one, I might catch her out. Yeah, quite, because quite
1: often. I don't think, like, what, you asked, what was last week, you offered me something pretty obscure last week.
0: Yeah, I did. And this one is, well, let's see. Let's see how this goes. Um, so really, this has been um, aerating in front of you for the last half an <laughs> hour or so. Taunting me. Taunting you. Um, so please, uh, take your, um, uh, take your uh, thing. Now, I'm not going to give you any clues. I just want you to tell me what you think that is, what's different about it, what. <laughs> now, that face that Kath has just pulled is one of confusion, disgust, and... Is this from Brian's garden? <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this my eyes fine? No, no, it's not. So now Kath is smelling it, so she's got her nose deep into the glass and is looking very confused and not overly happy. I'm, I'm
1: a bit scared to taste this, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So you should be. (laughs) What are your initial thoughts, Kath? What are you thinking? What's going through your head?
1: It's weird. Okay. I don't want to say something that's insulting and then find out what it is.
0: That's okay. No, no, no. You won't insult me.
1: So it has a strange fruitiness going on, but then it smells a bit like vinegar. (laughs) (laughs) But it's... Yeah? Kind of herby thing going on. I'm a bit scared, I'm going to taste it
0: Okay, so you're, you're going to go for the taste That's not a good reaction In fact It's almost like you're going to You need a spittoon for that, don't you?
1: Wowzers That's
0: like This is, this is available it has got no alcohol, has it? Unbelievable You're right, it's alco- alcohol free That's why I've got that face Oh my goodness, I thought you'd never get that. And you got it straight away. <laughs> that's what you get with a master of wine. There you go. Oh, you've you've beaten me. I was so but confident. It's
1: really phenolic. What does that mean? Like the tannins, it's like the tannins. Yeah, well,
0: yeah and I think they try and cover up the fact that there's no crisp or alcoholness in it by overloading it with other stuff, I guess. So what are your thoughts then? Yay or nay? Where'd you go for that? No, no, no. I'd, I'd probably just go for a yeah. glass of Ribena. It'd be I'd be much say, nicer. I'd
1: say, yeah, get yourself a glass of Ribena, or just have a glass of water if you want hydrating.
0: <laughs> so, what were you getting from it? Was there anything, at any point? Did you think, yeah, that it's
1: weird because it feels kind of lacking? Okay, and you realise that even in a light style of wine. So, for the listeners, it's actually red. Yes. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. That's, it that's a good. Feels that's quite good thing, phenolic, yeah. 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 That you. Yeah, you feel that, that even a light style of wine, the presence of the alcohol seems to round it out a bit more and support everything else in it, so they've taken that away and everything else is just sticking out a bit, the acidity and the phenolics. Right. The tannins are, like, a little bit scary.
0: OK, yes, yeah, so not, not, not your favourite um, wine, but actually I, I am totally impressed that you, you got <laughs> that so quick, that that is just... So
1: is it made from a grape that we would recognise? Well,
0: I don't know, let's have a look. <clears throat>
1: It's got a pretty, well, yeah. Mm. Mm. I was going to say a quite a nice label, but the huge alcohol-free on the top is quite...
0: Scary. Um, I don't know. I can't really see. It doesn't say particular grape. It just, um, it says... Uh,
1: see, it smells like violets when you first smell it, and then it smells a bit like fruit, and then it smells like vinegar.
0: <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. Um, the reason it's <laughs> You opened open, it thought, oh, this is awful. I'll leave it for a week. No, it, it wasn't me. It, <laughs> it was actually on Tuesday. <laughs> so it's only, yeah, it only a couple yeah. But I said to... Last uh, Tuesday. No, no, this one got... I said to Gemma, oh, I've got a, a bottle of wine in the back of the car. When you're down there, can you grab it and, and we'll have that and watch the football so it might have been Monday actually was that it would be a
1: very disappointing football wine Tuesday and she
0: came up and she she opens that and pours it out and I go what the <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's half empty um, and I go oh no that was for Challenge Cats. we're not supposed to drink it, it's dreadful right <laughs> <laughs> I love that, that's awesome, thank you so much for treating me Brian <laughs> you can have it with a beef uh, a hula hoop if you like just well, to finish it off um, apparently you can still get drunk with non-alcoholic wine and stuff because there is a placebo effect can you believe that don't go anywhere because that is pretty much the end of today's show. show it coming is coming up a bit later on listen tonight at six to nine annabelle knight star of uh, things like this morning of yep. big brothers bit on the side she is hosting um her shows on sex and relationships and tonight it's gonna get frisky because she's, she's a- talking about doms yeah I don't, I don't know why Dom is frisky no no, no domination I think
3: if we if we